Alright you guys, this is the uh, 12th episode of the Triple Option Report podcast, and today is going to be a mixture of things. Uh, first off, I just wanted to start off with uh, The Flash. I didn't watch the movie. I didn't want to watch the movie, mainly because I'm not really supporting Ezra Miller. I, I just, I didn't like how that how that whole thing went out. You see, what you want about Marvel, and they have their their faults, or their own, uh, mainly pay your VFX workers more so that you can have better special effects and not be cheap and greedy. But also, like, at the same time, they've handled that situation. They've had a lot better than DC has with their act, with them. Ezra Miller... The numerous assaults, kidnapping charges, like, they committed a lot of crimes. I've said this before in earlier episodes, it, I don't know how they they still have a job. And how you're still promoting a movie like this at that level, like, it's not a good look. But even despite that, like, just in general, a lot, um, not a lot of people watch the movie either. Flash had, what, a very disappointing uh, 24.5 opening day. Domestic-wise. 24.5. Just to, just to tell you how bad that is. Black Adam's opening day domestically was 26.7 million. That's awful that Black Adam had a better opening day than you did. And even, like, the opening weekend, right? Black Adam's opening weekend was 67 million. The Flash's opening weekend is projected to be 61 million. Projected, so it could be worse or even better at this point. Who knows? But still, that's awful numbers compared to what other movies, like Spider Verse, right? Across Spider Verse, a fifty-one point seven million opening day. Across the Spider Verse, almost had as much opening day as the Flash had opening weekend. Its opening weekend for Across the Spider Verse was one hundred twenty point five million. Dang near double what the Flash projected opening weekend is. Like, it is just it, it, very disappointing news. Not surprised. Because the DCEU has been a mess for years, honestly, since the beginning. And, like I said this in an earlier episode, I personally think the DCEU needs to... I think they just need to, to wipe the whole thing out. Like, even... Like, I'll get back to that, but even going back to the Flash, right? How disappointing, how disappointing the, the numbers are. Even the reviews. It's gotten mixed reviews. Rotten Tomatoes has a 67% right now. About 67%. Mid-60s. That's a fine movie. But disappointing compared to what they were hyping up to be. Like, they had celebrities from, like, Jaden Smith to, to uh, Stephen King to... Obviously, James Gunn has to say this because, you know, he's over the whole thing. Like, yeah... Albeit, The Flash was made before he got he was, he was over it. At least he was started on before he was over it. But still, like, they're having this thing up to, like, be, like, one of the greatest movies ever made in, in regards to comic, the comic books and superheroes. So, like, I'm not surprised. It was, it was just weird. Like, how they were... You had, like, a bunch of celebrities out of nowhere hyping this movie up, despite the controversy behind it. It just felt unorganic. And it... 
I guess, according to, to the critics, it was. So not only was the movie uh, not at anywhere near as good as, as it was hyped up to be, apparently, it's got a lot of mixed reviews across the board, even from people watching it. It was a massive disappointment domestically. It's just, it's a mess. And another disappointing number for, for DC, because, again, Black Adam was awful domestically. It's it, it just been, DC has, the DCU has been just very not, it, it's been a mess. Both critically and commercially the entire time, honestly. So, at this point, I don't know, you can't continue it, really. I, I don't, I don't think so. I think you need to wipe the whole thing out. Like, I think you just have to start from scratch. Just keep certain things. Like, I would keep Suicide Squad. I would keep uh, Peacemaker. And I'd start from there. You can build up from there. You could have, like, a, let's see, like... You, you could continue to stretch out from Peacemaker and, 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 and uh, Suicide Squad. You could go to, like, a, I know, a, a, some smaller characters. Or, or you could do this. You could have that be a side thing and, and have that somehow lead to, to Blue Beetle in some way. And that can be how you introduce the Titans. And then you can go from the Titans to Teen Titans. And then you can go from there to Young Justice and then the Justice League. And then you just spread out from there. And I would also, in a way, I'd probably ease up on Batman a bit. But yeah, that could be, that's honestly, to me, a problem with DC comic books in general as well. Just DC in general. I feel like there's a little too much Batman. Like, you could say, well, Marvel has a lot of X-Men. Well, Marvel's always had a lot of X-Men, and it makes a lot of sense because the X-Men have a lot of characters. And a lot of teams. So, yeah, you're gonna have a, a lot. It's, that's just sheer numbers. It's just Batman. Why are there so many Batman comics? There's no need for one single character to have that many. Now, if you can, like, I guess you can say the Batverse itself is fine, but, like, if you want to spread it out, you don't want to have the same as one thing. One specific character. You know, with the movies, you can ease up on Batman a bit, I think. Like, the MCU, it, they didn't just put out a whole bunch of Spider-Man movies. Now they do. But, like, they didn't start out that way. They started with freaking Iron Man. And people like Thor and, and, and Captain America. Like, lesser-known people. Albeit, they're kind of forced to because, you know, the 90s, they went bankrupt, had to sell a lot of their characters to different companies. But still, they start out with smaller characters, and it just, it rolls from there organically. And even people like Guardians of the Galaxy, like, the, the, it was all orga organic in a way. It all made sense. I... It, to me, with DCEU, they don't have to have like the big names at first like that. It just has to lead to a central story. There's got to be a meaning for you having all this happening. If you could have a, a cinematic universe, it has to be a, like a, an end game in a way. If you're just going to have like a, a, a collage of people, then cool, okay. But like if you can go all in the cinematic universe thing like MCU, it, it has to have an end game. There has to be a reason why each character exists in, that, in, in the cinematic universe, not just big names for numbers. And it's felt like that with DC, just big names for numbers. Like, there's just been a lot of mistakes they've made. And uh, to me, I think it's too much at this point. They just have to wipe the whole thing out to me and start from scratch. Keep some of the better ones, obviously, and just start from there. And you can connect them later on. But again, like I said, there has to be an actual, like, reason for it all existing in the first place. 
you, you could go with the Arrowverse, right? Like, you could have, you could lead to a lot of different things. You can go from Suicide Squad to Arrow, Arrow, uh, Arrowverse. And then go from the Arrowverse, Arrow, oh, Jesus, Arrowverse, <laughs> and have Roy Harper. Roy Harper could go Arsenal to the to, to Titans. And that could lead to Blue Beetle. Or something like that. Like, there are different ways you could do this. It's it just... You can't just really put them all out there. Just like, alright, here you go. So, yeah, like... Overall, the, the DCEU is a bit of a mess. It's been a mess for a while. Yeah. Like, what else can be said? Hopefully they can get on track. I don't know if they can. But I... At this point, they probably need to just reshuffle the whole thing. Like, not to restart the whole thing. And you have a blank slate, and you can go from there. Now, going from that, a massive <laughs> uh, transition all the way to sports. Another big thing that happened this weekend was Bradley Beal. Now, the Bradley Beal situation... Obviously, trade could happen any time now. We got the top two teams, the Heat and the Suns. Looking at that contract, how much he's getting paid, the years on it. I was thinking he's old, or is it like he's up there in age? The guy's only a year older than Jokic. He's 29, which is crazy because it felt like I seen this man play in college while I was in high school, and like I'm up, I'm. Turned 28 this year, so yeah, it's been he's been in the NBA for a while. So seeing him not even be 30 yet is pretty crazy. That means that man was playing when he was what 19 in the NBA. Oh my gosh, he played the same year in college as Tim Hardaway Jr. Wow, but hey, you know you're still young in a way. It's crazy, but yeah, like. Uh, so he's not old, but it, 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 he's not getting up there in age. But like, the contract itself, the no trade clause, which is crazy. Uh, the amount of money, the amount of years on it, that's a big risk. And, and in today's NBA, one thing that I've always talked about since the Raptors won, and it really emphasizing the Lakers won in the bubble, is that for the last few years now, and now people are starting to, to talk about this more. You don't want to have a top-heavy team. I've been saying for years that you need to have two stars and a supporting cast that supports that those two stars as best as they can. Mask any weaknesses and, and, and boost up any strengths. And vice versa. And, that, yeah, that to me, and, and good defense. And that's a championship team in the last few years, honestly. In the NBA... Like, risking death for a, a, a big three has not worked in the last few years. And now I'm happy that everyone's thinking that way now. So a lot, a lot of teams are kind of thinking, should we risk this? And the two teams, though, like the Lakers, for instance, I don't see them doing this trade. And I think it's a good thing for the Lakers that they're not. I think a better thing is, is to get a big man and get a couple of two to three shooters off of off a free agency in the draft and work from there. But, like... The two teams that are looking at Bradley Beal are the Heat and the Suns. The Suns. It works a lot better for the... No. It Actually, the Heat. It works way better for the Heat. My, yeah. With the Heat, they have a... Uh, the projection is what? 
letting go of Duncan Robinson III and Kyle Lowry in a future draft pick, I believe. I don't, know, I don't know about the draft pick. I believe that's it, too. But those two players definitely for uh, Beal. That could work. Losing Duncan Robinson is a big loss in a way, but if you could lose... They have so many three-point shooters who score off ball that losing Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry won't hurt as much if you can replace them with Bradley Beal. And you still have Max Schuess. You still have Gabe Vincent. You still have Caleb Martin. With Jimmy Butler. And Bam. And keeping Tyler Hero somehow. That is a huge W for, for the Heat. That actually makes them a significant title contender. Like a team that could actually win the whole thing. Because the two stars, Beal and Butler, don't play the same style. But it, it, it shrinks. It adds extra strength to what they need. Like now their scoring would be crazy good. Now their shooting will be more consistent in the regular season, so they'll have a higher seed, and it won't be as tough a pathway through the, the through the playoffs. Butler doesn't have to exert so much energy in the playoffs, so he doesn't get hurt in the finals. Like, yeah, that that would make that team instantly, like a whole other level of good. If that were the straight that would happen, especially keeping Hero, the Suns, that doesn't really help them. Like, they all they all play the same style. KD, albeit Beals is more off ball, so it's not as bad. But still, they all play the same style, like scoring, 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 scoring. Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and KD. And KD's getting older. Like, you can make a case that, well, what about LeBron or what about... Well, you can make a case that LeBron was hurt, right? You can't make that case with, with KD. KD wasn't hurt. KD just looked old. He still had it, though, but still, like... <laughs> this is the crazy thing about the Suns. It doesn't make any sense. They had two players who could... As bad as KD was at points in the playoffs, he still could put up 30-plus on your head. Multiple games. You had two guys who could do that with him and Devin Booker, right? And they still lost in six because they had no depth. So you think, okay, lose even more depth and lose either Chris Paul or, or uh, DeAndre Ayton, which in worst case would be losing DeAndre Ayton because one of your weaknesses also is that you had no big men like that. You lose him, you definitely don't have any big men. I mean, Bismack Biombo is like the only one. But like that, like losing even more depth to get a third guy who plays just like those other two guys? Like, what do you think is going to happen? You think it's going to get any better? The Suns, it makes no sense to me. It, it would make so much more sense if the Suns has got a way better supporting cast for those two stars. If those guys can put up a, a combined 60 to 70-some points a game in the playoffs, could you imagine if they had like a good supporting cast doing that? It would, in Devin Booker's case, he's doing it efficiently, too. That Suns team would be, like, automatic title contenders, honestly. But you just get a third guy who plays the same way, and you cut, you don't get a supporting cast at all, what do you think is going to happen? It'll be slightly better, but you're not getting past the second round either way, honestly. You're not. So it's the same result, but now you're giving up even more money and an even worse contract. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, if the Suns want to do that, that's their prerogative, I guess.
Uh, on my big pick last time, last episode, I, I said uh, I thought Marvin Vittori would win over Jerry Conner. That obviously did not happen. I, I just thought, you know, it was a pretty even fight. I thought, I thought maybe the edge because I thought Vittori's shin is insane. Might be the toughest shin in the history of, of UFC in general. Uh, I thought like, okay, well, he's not going to get KO'd, so maybe he could just outbox him. Because I thought he was a slightly better on-paper technical boxer. But, I mean, he got rocked. But his shin stood strong, but he still lost. Very, very clearly lost. Like, that was a brutal fight. Like, he was like a kind of a punching bag. But, again, his shin's so powerful that he can just take those punches like that. He still fought back. He fought valiantly, but, yeah, at the end, kind of near, I mean, what a conundrum of a fighter, too. Because, like, against certain guys, like... I guess, like, Ishu Adesanya, he's a, a, a freaking Matrix guy. So, like, no one's going to be able to, to touch him like that outside of, you know. But, like, uh, I, yeah, he's a conundrum. I'll say that. Some fights he'll, like, kind of not be able to hit anything. And then other fights, like this one, he's like an unstoppable monster. Right, a UFC record for, in middleweight for what? Most punches landed? Power punches landed? Jeez. And it was brutal. It was, what, over 230? Like, what the heck? But, yeah, it it didn't go at all how I thought it would go. I mean, I thought it would go to points, but I didn't think it would be that lopsided either way. But, yeah, there's that. Uh, and in boxing, people thinking, okay, oh, we just progress. That was a very disappointing-looking fight. Very bad-looking fight. But when you look at it, the 140 class is kind of weird because, like, everyone has a down fight, but almost all of them, the top guys for that weight class, when they have a down fight, they look awful. Progress looked terrible, like, last night. But, then again, like I said, Josh Taylor looked bad against Catterall. Uh, Teofimo Lopez versus Martin, he looked terrible. Like, you know, I, I whenever you have a low... A bad day at the office at 140, you look really, really bad for some reason, some strange reason. So, progress looking that bad isn't going to affect how I think of him as a boxer like that. He shouldn't fight like that again if he's going to face one of the top contenders, because that would look bad. But, he would lose, clearly. But, like, I, he'll be fine, I think. He, he could easily get over that and go back to being the top-end fighter that he is. So, not saying it's a nothing burger, but yeah. And one last thing in sports. Well, one of two last thing in sports. Bob Huggins. This, yikes. Yeah. He is gone, obviously, from West Virginia. He's going to resign. It, very disappointing. This, the last, honestly, few months has been just a kind of a disaster. Went from, like, a beloved, universally praised coach, wherever he went, to... The homophobic slurs towards Xavier. He used to coach at Cincinnati back in the day, so yeah, just that out of nowhere at the radio, and then the DUI rest. Now they said he had a .21 on the breathalyzer. The legal limit in Pennsylvania is .08, almost three times that. And referring to like if you talk about size and height and weight. He's a tall dude, and he's pretty big. 
uh, the amount of beer cans they said they said he had beer cans like just filled up. The amount of beer cans he had to drink to get you a point two one, I'm guessing, I'm estimating off of this is off my math, about eighteen to twenty probably. While driving. He was so drunk, he thought he was in Columbus, Ohio when he was arrested in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. Like, when you're drinking that much, and he has a past history of, of, of arrests from drinking back in, like, as early as 2004, like, that's a problem. And whatever problems he has, like, I, I hope he gets them fixed. Like, he shouldn't be coaching, but, yeah, like, that... That's unfortunate. The entire situation is bad. Like, in West Virginia, too, like, what do you do now? They have good facilities. They have a very good NIL deal. They're in a great conference. And if they were to somehow disastrously leave the Big 12 or get kicked out somehow after something crazy, they could go back to the Big East. They'd go to the Big 10. They can go to the ACC. So either way... They'd be in a safe position, conference-wise, in basketball anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But, like, still, it's a big, tough, the main tough situation is hiring a coach won't be a bad thing for, for West Virginia. The main pro- problem would be keeping those transfers and keeping those players. Because guys are going to go after them if they can. And there's a lot of players that are available right now for them. But yeah, overall, like it'll be an interesting situation here. It's an unfortunate situation, but it's gonna be a, it, it's gonna be a, it's not the end of this with regards to West Virginia basketball at all. It's, it's just sad, honestly. And one last thing in sports, a quick thing. Uh, New Balance, track and field. I've been big on track and field. It's uh, the peak of track and field season right now, and there's nothing else in sports going on. So why not talk about it? It deserves to be talked about. Well, a big thing happened in the high school track, the New Balance Nationals. In the big event, there's a lot of big events in that one, and a lot of great performances, women's 100 and 200. But the main event was the men's 100, had a hyped-up uh, event, Isam Asinga, hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Brody, if I'm correct, let me see if I pronounced that right. I think I did. And Brody Buffington. You know, the, the the guy who was dominating those 100-meter races and then had, I guess, not the times dropped. or Did he have the times dropped or, like, disqualified because he was celebrating? Lame crap like that. He, let the guy win his races and, and keep the times. Stop doing that crap. Don't go full old man yells at cloud when it comes to celebrations. I hate that in sports in general. Let them celebrate. Who cares? Let's have fun. That's the whole point of sports. It's not accounting or something or like a business like that like like you know like you have to be professional well you know just in general but like it's sports have some let them have fun if they can hit each other like knock each other out cold they can they can celebrate like come on let's stop doing this stuff but yeah like overall that was a big hyped up event because they're both winning insane times is it's the fastest high school wise year well, we've had quite a few in the last few years, honestly. There's been crazy fast high school times. And I think we're in a bit of a golden age when it comes to high school track and field. But, and this is like, an, this is like a, a, a prime example of it. All these dudes are running sub-10-2 in high school. 
But yeah, like the winner was Assam Asinga, a ten oh five. Uh Nigel Ancrum got a ten one five and Brody Buffington got a ten one six. All three ran faster than ten two, which is insane. Again, like for a track and field high school hundred meter <laughs> dash race to have three dudes, multiple guys running sub ten two is crazy. But yeah, Assam Asinga, he's a real deal. He he's a He's next level. He's the next great thing, in, in, I think, in, in the 100. He has dual citizenship. His dad's from Suriname. His mom, and he holds the, the Suriname record in the 400, 800, and 1500, which is crazy. That's sprinting middle distance and distance. And his mom uh, ran the 92 and 96 Olympics for Zambia. So he has uh, citizenship in Zambia, right? He can run from their track team. And he was born and raised in Atlanta, so he can run for the U.S. So he could pick between those three countries. He decided, they think he'll, he, they believe he's going to decide to pick Suriname. I believe he has, actually. Which is interesting, that's neat. You know, a future world's fastest man from Suriname. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, like, that was the neat, a, a neat thing I want to talk about. But yeah, he's the next big thing in, in men's sprinting. I think. In the future. At least in the hundred. So, yeah, keep your eyes on that guy. Now, one last big thing I want to talk about, and this is one of my preferences. Pro wrestling. Again, I always thought pro wrestling, professional wrestling is an art form more than a sport. And that's not an insult, because it is, and it's fantastic, and I love it. But a big thing happened on Saturday night. AEW Collision, a new show. And it lived, I think it lived up to the hype. I thought it was a great show overall. There's like one maybe low point, and I'll talk about that, but overall, from the start, first off, the crowd is insane. Chicago's always, they always have a crazy crowd when it comes to pro wrestling, especially when CM Punk's involved. But CM Punk was back, and the promo we put out was pretty crazy. Like, the, the one Bill Phil thing was awesome, and then, like, the 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 comment he had about uh the elite we did what let me see what did he say he said he called himself he said that uh David Zasloff calls him one Bill Phil David Zasloff is you know head over Warner Brothers Warner Warner Brothers Discovery and there's this whole rumor that AEW got like a more than one billion dollar contract with Warner Brothers a new one so that was pretty hilarious but then he said that's because i'm the one true genuine article in a business of counterfeit bucks you know the young bucks the elite in that whole situation so uh, brawl out so yeah like uh like that was pretty awesome like the whole thing the promo uh referring to mjf and the world championship uh then calling out the younger people to say like Who's next? Or just the wrestlers in general to say, like, who's next to, to, to pretty much like a, your typical brass ring thing. Like, the whole speech, I thought, the whole poem was amazing. At, and he looked like he didn't lose a step. Like, it was a great promo. And I really do wonder, like, who are going to be the next young guys? Because this roster, AEW, has a lot of young talent across the board. So it'll be very interesting to see, like, what happens in the future. They have a very... Very bright future. At least a full decade of these guys. If they keep them right. 
But yeah, the Young Bucks, they made a response. That was awesome. They'll make an even better response at AEW and BTE when that comes out on Monday and AEW Dynamite when it's out on Wednesday. So that'll be awesome. Uh, and like again, we people said like uh, the whole drama between Punk and Elite wasn't at work. Like it is actual like serious situation. But Voices of Wrestling, which is one of many wrestling media types, right? They said pretty much they implied that that wasn't an actual shoe shoot that CM Punk was talking about. Like it wasn't like a legit drama going on with that comment, with that promo pretty much. Like it wasn't an as instant, it, it wasn't as bad to others as most thought it would be. Like, so, so, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe they made up and they're building to something big. And if that were to happen, and you were to have a, an Elite versus CM Punk and FTR and all of them, that would make a lot of money. That could be, like, their NWO, honestly, for AEW. That's how huge that could be. Like, mainstream big, I think. Like, I'm not going to downgrade what AEW is capable of doing. These guys could sell out freaking Wembley Stadium right now. That's no <laughs> So, like, yeah, no. I'm never going to doubt what they can do because they over they over-achieved expectations pretty much the entire history of the company at this point. But, yeah, like, the whole show, Andrade versus Buddy Matthews, what an amazing match. Like, I loved it. I thought it was really good. It started out kind of slow. But then, like, the selling was amazing. Like, I thought they were botching moves. No, I thought they were actually hurt. They were just selling really well. And the physicality, and they still added flippy moves to it, despite being way bigger than what they used to be. You, you say how you, you can you can think how you want about how they got that big, but they got way bigger, and they can still do flippy moves and still be athletic and still pull out a brawling style, too. Like, it was great, I thought. They did a good job of telling a story. The Wardlow situation. That's a bit concerning. Wardlow's now lost the TNT title how many times now? Like, it's not a good look. I'll say one thing. I don't think it's the end for him. He's not dead. He's not dead in the water. The crowd still loves him. He's still insanely over. So he can still easily recover, I think. Not uh, Yeah, he can actually easily recover, I think. If you just build him up gradually, but you have to take time with him, I think. You have to be patient with him. You can't just, like... Have him drop off to another storyline, then to another storyline. Like, you actually have to have him have something long-term. That could probably build him back up. Will Nightingale and Sky Blue was awesome. Sky Blue, again, is a prime example of wrestlers who were younger, who go through the ranks. And she went, she's been wrestling on a whole bunch of different shows. Indies, she's been going uh, Ring of Honor, Dynamite, Rampage. She used to be on Dark and Dark Elevation a lot, too. She's wrestled a lot, and now she's improved so much that she's legit, I think. And she's so young, she has a bright future. It, it, it's a, that's how you should do it, honestly, I think. That's a, great, that's, that's a great narrative for a lot of future wrestlers. Hard work, and there you go. You get, you get the beginning of many uh, rewards for hard work. Mira will look great. That was an awesome squash match. I absolutely loved the squash. Like, how he wrestled, like, everything. The lack of selling. And it wasn't just, like, a 10-second squash. Like, just some, like, uh, no. 
uh, Tony Nese, he had great selling, but Tony Nese was doing a lot, a lot of good moves, like a lot of entertaining moves. But uh, Miro just not no sold it, but yeah, kind of did, but in a way that looked awesome. Just how he moved around the ring was very great. It, like it was kind of athletic in a weird, in a crazy way, but still like dominant big man type of way. And I, I really do think like Miro being back is a great thing. He looked as good as ever, honestly. The Acclaim were great, and the Acclaim weren't trying to add a storyline or anything either. Like, someone said it best, like, Acclaim went in there, did their stick, went out, crowd loved it. And honestly, that's as progressing as it gets. And yeah, the main event. CM Punk and FTR versus Bullet Club Gold and Samojo. The second, first off, great, great match. Like, like, but, but, like, the selling was amazing. Everything was amazing. How they how they manufactured the match, produced the match the entire from the beginning to the end was fantastic. But like seeing Puck and Mojo when they both win their ring, that was an insanely hot crowd. These guys first fought what twenty years ago, and twenty years later, after a five star match twenty years ago, twenty years later they're still out here, and the crowd goes crazy for them. They're both in their forties. Multiple years in their 40s, and they're still doing this. Like, that shows you that how big of legends those two guys are. But just overall, it was a great night for pro wrestling. Great week and weekend for pro wrestling in general. SmackDown was hot. Like, AEW Dynamite was amazing. Like, Ring of Honor was really good. Like, across the board, this is a great week for pro wrestling. And it's going to be a great summer and great year for pro wrestling, honestly. Like I said, if, you wanna, if there's a time to get back into pro wrestling, it's right now. This is the best it's been in years. But, yeah. Going off of that, now it's time for my big time pick. Not a lot of sports going on right now, honestly. Uh, so I just went with one, USA versus Canada. That's happening tonight. U.S. just came off of a pretty surprisingly dominant win over Mexico. I, I think the U.S. is very underrated national team these last couple years because they've had a lot of guys playing for, for international teams, but like, not of them good, but still. How they played against Mexico, they it was, a, it was an insane game. But despite all the craziness that happened, one thing that came off was that the U.S. looked really good. But can they beat Canada? Canada's got some top-end players. And Canada's been way better these last couple of years than they've been in, honestly, I don't know, maybe ever. Or at least in decades. It's been a while since Canada was relevant in soccer. So, yeah. Like, at the with this game, I don't know. I may just go safe and call it a draw. Yeah, I'll call it a draw. Wouldn't be surprised if either team won, obviously, but I'll call it... I'll, that's why you call it a draw. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I call it a draw. That's my big-time pick. U.S. and Canada and tied. So uh, that's it for today's episode of uh, Triple Option Report podcast. And uh, like I said, you never know what I'll talk about. Sports, pop culture, comic books, anything. So uh, until Wednesday... See y'all.